There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 401. And today in the show, I'm joined by a new hunter you've heard on this podcast several times now, Dan Jadjo, who just recently took the huge step of killing his first deer ever. All right, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. We have got a really cool episode for you today. It's a story that I'm so glad that we can share. It is the story of how Dan Jajo has killed his first deer. We had Dan on the show for the first time last fall, so 2019, after I met him at a QDMA Field to Fork mentored hunt event. This is an event uh, that that paired something like a dozen new hunters with a dozen mentors, had them spend the weekend together and teach them everything they know. So I was a mentor on that hunt. Dan was a guy I met there. And and since then, we've stayed in touch. And I invited him out to the back 40 this year, um, well, 2020. And hopefully you've heard the stories about how that went. He came out in the summer. He helped us work on the farm, planting food plots, planting trees. Um, He then came out in the fall for a hunt. That hunt was featured on the Back 40 TV show, which you can see on the Meat Eater YouTube channel. So if you were to watch episode two of that show, you would see Dan out there in the summer working with us. If you watched episode six of the show, You'd get to see his hunt. We had a really fun hunt that, uh, you know, had a bunch of ups and downs. And ultimately, though, we were not able to get him his first deer. So that was disappointing, but, but you know, that's hunting. And over the subsequent weeks, though, Dan kept after it. And just recently, on his own, the guy's uh, a tremendous example of persistence. He he kept after it. He, he rode out a couple more storms and was able to get the job done. Dan killed his first deer. He's a tremendous example of of you know what's possible for new hunters. And his story, I think, is is a great example for experienced hunters like myself. So I, I think you know even 
If you're a new hunter, I think this is a story to listen to, but I think you will be really encouraged by it. I think you'll be inspired by the journey that Dan has been on that has ultimately led him to now becoming, you know, you know, he's been a hunter, but now he's, he's successfully filled his first tag. So I think if you're new, you got to listen to this story. It's going to give you some, some wisdom and some encouragement that I think will help. If you are an experienced hunter, though, already, I think you need to listen to this story because it's going to help you see the fruits of your labor in mentoring. This is something I'm trying to do more of this year, taking the time to help other people, show them what this thing is all about that we love so much. Let's let's help other people experience that too. And I think you're going to be inspired by what Dan has to share about his experience and how important mentorship was for him. The impact that mentors had on his trajectory uh, is huge. And, and I think this is evidence of the kind of impact that, that you too could make. So give this one a listen. I, I hope that it will maybe maybe cue some thinking. Maybe it will trigger you to think about, you know, who is there in your life that maybe has expressed some kind of interest in hunting, but you know, you never followed up with? Or who do you know out there that uh that could use some new access so they could get their first deer? Or or maybe you don't know anyone like that, but how could you seek out and find people who do want help? Because there's a lot of them, guys. More than a lot of us realize, there are people out there in the world who have never hunted, but in the back of their minds, they're thinking, "You know what? If I, you know, if I, if I ever had the chance, I might do that. I'd like to get some meat in the freezer and know exactly how it got there. I might be willing to give that a try." But they don't know anybody in their family or their circle of friends who can show them how to do those things, so they never do, and they go through the rest of their lives never having hunted never having experienced this thing that's so transformational that that we're so lucky to get to do every year. So listen to the story. It's a quick one. It's a fun one. It's, it's at least for me, really damn inspirational. So let's get to the story of how Dan killed his first deer. And let's just enjoy this is a great way to start the new year. And as a, a really important bedrock for me at least when it comes to what I want to achieve this year, which is making these stories happen more often. So without further ado, here's Dan Jajo and the story of his first deer. All right, with me on the show today on the other line is the wise and powerful Dan Jajo. Dan, (laughs) welcome back to the show. Hey Mark, I wouldn't say wise and powerful, but thank you, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me back on. Well, hey man, you've got a lot to be excited about uh, lately. You you got engaged. Congratulations on that. <laughs> thank you. You killed your first deer. Congratulations on that. <sighs> thank you, man. And most importantly, you finished up your year of pies. Right? <laughs> Did you finish up the year of pies? <laughs> yeah, we finished up the year of pies, man. You got completed all twelve. <laughs> I'm throwing you under the bus here, but when uh, for everyone listening, when Dan and I hunted together this November, he mistakenly uh, admitted the fact that his his girlfriend, now fiance, was doing this year of pies, where every month she made a different pie. And she made Dan taste test it, and then she Instagrammed every time he tasted the pies, and <laughs> and I forced him to let us watch all these Instagram videos. 
So <laughs> please tell me that's it's, done, right? She's not going to do it to you again, done. is she? It's done. <laughs> she, she, was, she was conspiring for another New Year's resolution of another year of something, but I had to put the brakes on it. I couldn't handle it. That's good, man. It was man. good content, though. It's great content. <laughs> it was. She did a nice job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'm, I'm glad we get to talk because we actually <laughs> haven't talked on the phone about the hunt itself. We first off, you texted me and said that you you got it done. You killed your first deer, and then I said, "Can we? Can you tell me the story?" And you said, "No, I got to get this deer gutted. <laughs> Let's talk another time." <laughs> so so then I realized that's a good idea. Let's not hear the full story until now, till we're on the air, and uh, and I can enjoy yeah. it for the first time with everybody else. I'm I'm so excited for you. It's been a hell of a journey, I know. Uh, it's been really cool to, to be able to follow along with it the last two seasons now. And and what I wanted to do today, man, was is is kind of recap it. So start at the beginning again and kind of briefly get everybody up to speed on on what led you down this path, what got you here, and then and then dive deep into the the final weeks of your season and what ultimately led to this uh, very exciting conclusion. So. Um, you feeling good about that? Does that sound good? Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. I'm happy to share the story. Cool. Are you as excited about this as I am that this happened? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I was pumped, man. I mean, when when it all went down, I was just so so happy and just so like I, I don't know. I, I don't know if relieved is the right word, but <laughs> just the fact that I I got it done and I was just like, you know, it, all this work, all this time spent was just like came down to that moment I was just pumped. Yeah. So, so yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can only imagine, man. Well, let's 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 rewind the tape a little bit and just get everybody sure. caught up if they hadn't heard, you know, you uh, you joined me last year, I guess, for a podcast after we met at one of these mentored hunts that uh the QDMA puts on through their Field to Fork program. So that's how we met. Cool. Um and since then we've been in touch and then we hunted together this fall did some work together this summer. Uh, but, but real quick, can you just recap how, how this whole crazy journey started for you? What, what was it that sent you down this path? Yeah, man. So, I mean, growing up, I, I did a lot of fishing with my older brothers and I've always had an interest in the outdoors, um, but never had really much involvement in hunting. Um, as I started to get older, I, I started doing other things outside, you know, snowboarding, mountain biking, etc. Um, but hunting still really never, never came into the picture. Um, you know, fast forward, I don't know, a couple years later, I, I got my hands on a compound bow and I started shooting that and having a lot of fun with it. And, um, you know, I, I, I saw it as an avenue to get into hunting but just didn't really know how to actually you know put it to work or or where to go or you know have other people in my my friend group or peer group that could show me the ropes um so so that kind of led me into getting you know starting to try to figure it out myself um obviously started doing research on my own i I caught wind of meat eater, started watching episodes on, on that, you know, caught your podcast, started listening to, to what you had to say. And it was all great information, but just found that I just kind of didn't have the, the real, I don't know, motivation or encouragement to really just start doing it on my own. And I, I, I'd, uh, 
had a friend at the time that had some property up north and they took me on a, uh, a you know, my first couple hunts up there. Um, and that kind of, um, just got me just my, my, my fingers kind of in there. And, and I, I don't know, it was just a start to what I thought could be a lot of fun and a new activity that I could, could pursue. Um, so, so yeah, I, you know, as I started to get more interested, I found the field of fork program and, um, I met yourself and I met Josh and Jason and you guys were all, all, you know, like-minded guys that had a lot of experience in hunting. And I, I kind of took the leap of faith to, to get, get with you guys. And we did a couple hunts at the, the program and they all went really well. Um, <clears throat> and then from there it was just kind of like, all right, well now I got to start, you know, figuring this out on my own and doing more research and, and, you know, keep going. And, um, yeah. And, you know, that's, that's, that was last year. Right. So fast forward to this year, I started to, hold on, you know, really, yeah. Before, before you go too much further, two, two questions about that first year and those, those years or months leading up to it. Number Mm -hmm. one, you you got the bow, you you liked fishing. When you started thinking about hunting, was it, the activity itself that you thought like, Hey, this would be a fun thing to go do. Like I like to fish. I like to pursue fish. I probably would like to pursue animals or was it, I really want to get a bunch of meat. Like which side of hunting was what really drew you in? Or was it the whole package? Were you thinking the the whole picture at that point already? Yeah, it was definitely the whole picture. I mean, I'd like, I like the whole kind of adventure aspect of it, of, you know, going out in the woods and trying to figure out, how I can put my, myself in a position to get a, to get a deer. But then also on the flip side of things, I also was very excited to get a bunch of meat, obviously. Um, you know, obviously through fishing and just growing up fishing, my brothers and I would, would love to get a good haul of walleye or perch and have a, you know, a fish fry with family and friends. Um, I just saw this as another way to get, you know, some, some food on the table as well and, and, and enjoy it with family and friends. Like, like I do with, you know, with the fish that I get with my brothers. So it was definitely the whole, the whole package there. Okay. And what about the flip side then? Was there anything early on that you were worried about? Now I know in past conversations, you told me that some things that have, have worried you have been like just being able to get the final act done properly, you know, getting a good clean kill, that kind of thing. Um, but were you ever apprehensive about, I don't know, could you kill an animal? Were you ever apprehensive about what would your friends or family think? Did Was there anybody who thought, oh, hunting's something you shouldn't do? Were, anything like that or something else that gave you worry as you started going down this path? Um. A little bit. I mean, uh, you know, I, like I said, I, I don't really have many friends or, or any friends really in my immediate friend group that, that hunted. So when, when I kind of started getting into it, they, you know, naturally as friends do just start ripping on you for stuff that you're doing. So, uh, you know, that, that was always kind of in the back of my mind, you know, just, I, I didn't let it bother me too much. I was going to keep doing what I was doing just cause I liked it. Right. Um, my family was pretty supportive of it. I mean, anytime that, uh, I was telling them that, you know, we could have a bunch of meat here, they were, they're all about it. So, so they were, they were gung ho, um, for me to kill an animal, I, you know, that, that lingered in the back of my mind. I knew it was just 
part of hunting. So I wasn't going to let it bother me too much. And the fact that, you know, like, <clears throat> I feel like it's, it's, it's the best way you can connect to your actual food versus going to the grocery store and, and, and just completely removing yourself from, from that, from that kill or, yeah. or, or the harvest of that animal. I just thought it was, it was, if I was going to do it, it, this is the best way I could have food for myself and potentially for my family and friends. So, so yeah, yeah. that, that was kind of what was going through my mind. Okay. Did you ever end up having, um, you know, you, you weren't, you weren't worried about any negativity. It sounds like you never, you ever got any of it. Your friends, other than giving you a good natured hard time, you haven't experienced <laughs> any, any negativity around it. No, not much. I mean, for the most part, you know, it was, it was pretty supportive. Um, I never really had any like, oh, you shouldn't be doing that or you shouldn't go out and kill an animal. Um, you know, and, and if, and if I ever did, you know, I I would kind of explain the whole sustainability aspect of it, of how, you know, this, this is really kind of like the best way you can go out and get your meat, you know, that, that deer lived its best life in, in its natural habitat and, um, I found that it, it was it was you know quite okay to go out and take take an animal from 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 their habitat in, in a you know sustainable way where that population is being managed and and you know it was okay to do so. So I I, I mean I I did my research. <laughs> it was yeah. basically what I'm trying to say, and, yeah. and just made sure that if I ever did come across that I was I was prepared to have that conversation. Yeah. Well, you certainly seem. Uh, that you've given it some thought, which which I love, um, and and this is just another example of of what I saw this year. In that, I can just see that you've this wasn't something that you're like, oh, I'm just going to give it a shot and just going to go out there and kind of walk around. Like you've really dove into it, you've thought about it, you've done a lot of preparation, you've you've worked hard, um, and in that first year, you know, at least last year where you, you started taking those next steps and you reached out and you, you met up with us. Uh, what was it last year that, or maybe there wasn't, maybe I'm just making assumptions here, but was there something last year that was that like tipping point for you where this went from this thing, like you're kind of curious about to like, all right, I'm going into this and I'm, I'm really diving into it. Um, because it, it seems like you're in a totally different place than you were a year ago. Uh, is that, was there something yeah. like that? <clears throat> yeah. Well, I think the, the first thing was, uh, my hunt with Jason last year where I, I think we were about a step away from launching an arrow at a buck. And I, I, I think that moment was just like, Holy cow, that, that actually almost happened. And I, <clears throat> you know, I had that small taste of, you know, I quote unquote success. And, and I think that just kind of <laughs> launched me down this, this black hole of, okay, I, I have to figure this out. I was almost there and you know, it, it's, it's going to happen eventually. I just got to figure out, you know, that last bit of whatever I need to do to really get it done. Um, so that was the immediate thing. And then part of it is I'm, I, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm kind of a head case. And when, when I can't figure something out, I just kind of go crazy and just try to do my research and do my work to, to figure it out eventually. Um, I just, I just like, 
I like challenging things. And I mean, hunting is, is by no means easy. And I just thought it was just something that I really wanted to pursue and, you know, figure out and, and, you know, add it to my list of hobbies that, uh, you know, it seems to be growing every day. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, that was kind of what, what I was thinking. What about that? You, you mentioned that experience with Jason. Um, and I'm just curious. Uh, and we, we talked about this a little bit last year. People should go back and listen to this full conversation just after that mentored hunt. But what, and you've also experienced it this year too. What aspect of, spending time with a mentor like that did you find most helpful because you finally had someone to sit with you and and talk through some things and show you things um was there anything that you can point to that was like oh yeah this really made a difference or this this is where i needed help or or maybe you didn't get it and 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 you found yourself still having questions but anything like that stand out oh yeah definitely I, i think just having somebody out there with me showing me kind of what to look for and, 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 you know, what, what's good sign versus bad sign. Um, you know, what hunting pressure looks like, um, what, where the deer might travel through pulling up maps, showing me, you know, different terrain features on, you know, Onyx or whatever. Um, you know, Jason also showed me this different resource, this other resource, uh, through the Michigan DNR where it shows all the different, um, uh, I guess trees in a given public land area and where you can point out oaks, which are good food sources for the deer. Uh, I mean, it was just a, a, a breadth of knowledge that Jason was able to provide that, you know, had I been trying to figure it out on my own could have taken me like, you know, weeks or months or, or even years to try to nail down. So the, 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 the intel and the knowledge that he had and he was able to give to me was just so valuable. Um, in that one, I think it was, it was two hunts that we did together. And then, you know, the hunt that I did with you this year was, I mean, you know, I, I'd had kind of got the foundation, like, okay, this is what bedding area looks like. And this is what, you know, sign looks like. But from, from the hunt we did together now, it's like, okay, now we, we have a, legitimate chance of seeing some deer what do we do now um and and you kind of guided me through the whole process of okay you know take a deep breath we don't need to rush a shot um you know we want to make sure that uh the the deer is 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 in a good spot to take a shot and i mean that alone you know you can you can coach yourself to do it but (laughs) you know um it's it kind of takes that 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 other guy right next to you to kind of help you and give you those mental cues to really, to really help you do, do something well. And unfortunately we didn't get it done in that hunt, but like, I mean, you know, in my other hunts that that's, that's like ingrained in my, in my mind now, it's like, don't rush a shot, you know, calm down, just breathe. You know, it's, it's, it's those things that, that have really helped me. Yeah. So, so between year season one or last year and this year, um, heading into this season, well, I guess it'd be last season now for us technically, but, mm-hmm. yeah. um, what, what kind of things were you wanting to work on or did, did you come into the year with, I'm doing this different and this different, and I'm going to do this better. Or, or was there anything that you brought into 2020 as uh, as a to do or a goal or, or something you were going to focus on? Yeah. Yeah. I had a list of things and, um, 
I kind of started, I started pretty early in the springtime. And my first thing was, okay, I got to find, I got to find other places to hunt. Um, cause last, I guess, you know, the 2019 season, it was just kind of me like picking public land spots and me just kind of walking out and just trying to figure out what looks good and, you know, setting up shop right there. And then, um, with not much, with not much, you know, rhyme or reason this, this upcoming season, or I guess this past season, um, I wanted to be a little more methodical about where I went and, yeah, you know, have, have a purpose as to where I was setting up. So, um, I started, you know, doing some research on Onyx and just trying to find public land spots that just looked good to me, just, you know, different terrain features that I thought would hold deer, um, you know, where I could find different food sources that they liked, um, where I, where I thought, you know, pressure wouldn't be. <clears throat> so that was my kind of early season start. And then once the weather started getting good, I, I did a couple boots on the ground trips just to check out the spots to make sure that what I was seeing online was really legitimate. And if I thought, uh, you know, the spots that I found were, were, were worth my while. Um, so I did that. And, you know, some of the spots that I found online ended up turning out, you know, good. And I ended up hunting them. And then other spots, I was just like, all right, this isn't what I thought it was. Um, so from that aspect, I definitely have some, some work to do in terms of like <laughs> e-scouting and what I think would be worth my time actually scoping out. Um, so that was the scouting aspect of it. And then I, I wanted to get a lot better with my bow. So I shot my bow probably, I don't know. I started, I think I got a little late start. So I started in this, I don't know, midsummer. um, leading up to leading up to the fall and I tried to shoot you know three to four times a, uh, a week it wouldn't happen every week but I'd try to get it in even if it was only like you know five or six arrows but I tried to shoot my bow regularly regular regularly <clears throat> you know and that that was just all part of like okay if I if I am presented an opportunity I want to make sure I'm I'm making a good shot I'm not you know wounding a deer or hurting an animal <clears throat> so that was uh that was the second big thing. And then lastly, I wanted to get my gear situation figured out. Um, and when I say gear situation, since I am hunting mostly public land, um, I, I, I didn't really have like a set stand that I would go up and, and, and hunt. Um, and I had bought late in that first season, I bought like a, a kind of a mobile stand that I would, you know, tote around um, different, my different hunting spots. And I, I just found that I wasn't really good at setting it up. It would take me a really long time to get up and down the tree. I was really uncomfortable with it. I, you know, I, I was really clumsy with it. So I, I wanted to figure something else out. So I ended up looking up different saddles that I could maybe try out. And I finally settled on getting a saddle and, um, practiced a few times in the summer just getting up and down trees but I really didn't get super good at it until you know until I was doing it in the season and you know um really figuring out my process to get up and down a tree and my process to set up by no means am I super smooth and I mean I still drop stuff and you know yeah man I'm still clumsy with it but I just I'm I'm way more comfortable in that than I was, um, last year with, with, uh, with my, with my tree stand. So 
don't know. Those were my three or four things that I, I wanted to work on over the summer. And, um, you know, I, I think there's still work to do, but I think that was a good start to, uh, my season, my season leading up to this year. Yeah. So did those, did those things, did those areas of focus end up, um, helping you once the season, once year two began? I mean, how did that all come into play and and what did uh, year two look like as you got started? Yeah. I mean, year two was, was great. I mean, I'm not going to downplay it. Um, the, the early part of the season when I started hunting all my public land spots, um, I mean, it was pretty rough. I didn't really see many deer to be honest with you. Um, I think I saw a total of maybe two deer that whole time amongst, uh, you know, a handful of hunts. So it was pretty challenging. My, my spot didn't pan out like I'd like them to, unfortunately. Um, a memorable moment was, uh, I was hunting one morning at one of my public land spots and I had a group of like 40 people on horseback just trot through <laughs> the field I was hunting and I was just uh. so rattled by what was going on. So, um, so that was interesting. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I mean the, the public land spots didn't pan out like I'd like them to, I mean, just dealing with, with hunting pressure and just, really, you know, deer that are really on edge. I just, I, I didn't really think it was a, a, a success, but I mean, I did learn a lot that, I mean, I got to take that away. I, you know, got to do things differently for next year if I'm going to keep hunting public land, which I probably will. Yeah. So then that, that took you to the back 40 hunt, right? Yeah. And so the back 40 hunt, we talked about it, you know, a month and a half ago or two months ago, whenever we did that last podcast, um, we had three days out there. We saw, you know, a handful of deer every hunt usually. Um, and I remember in my head, I was thinking, ah, oh, man, this sucks. We're not seeing more deer. Dan's probably really bummed. And then I remember at one point you're like shaking with excitement and we saw a couple does and you're like, this is more deer than I've seen all year. And it was <laughs> yeah. such a great reminder for me that I can sometimes get jaded because, because because I've been able to do this for so long and I have been super blessed to be in some really great situations. I've got to see the tippy top of the mountain, um, in a lot of cases, and it's easy to forget and, and shame on me for not remembering to take joy in, in seeing a couple deer. Uh, you know, that's a lot of fun. That's a great thing. And for a new hunter, especially that's not an easy thing. Uh, so that was a huge takeaway for me from our shared hunt together. Um, that not only is that something to be enjoyed, but that's also something that so many people don't necessarily get to do every day. And, right. and that's another reason why I want to try to do more of what we did, which is bring new folks out there to places where they can see those deer. Um, cause tell me if I'm wrong, but getting to go out and spend a couple of days in the back 40 as a new hunter who hadn't been able to see a lot of deer, who hadn't been able to be in many positions like that. Was that a pretty special thing and was that a great opportunity just to be able to live through those moments and you know you kind of alluded to it like learn what to do when you're seeing deer learn how to spot deer learn how to get ready for a shot those are things that you hadn't really been able to do much before Mm -hmm. and then over the course of three days we had a bunch of it um Mm -hmm. am i right on that yeah absolutely man i mean just just the property alone is is such a cool thing to see 
for somebody that just doesn't have much experience with with deer or 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 just property management in general i you know everything is done you know all your food plots all your all your different you know cover screens that you, you guys planted everything is done with reason and i just thought that was so cool to see something like that you know, be worked on over the summer and then come to fruition in the fall and then have somebody out, you know, hunting it and, you know, have those things all come together. Uh, just from that aspect, just to see a piece of property like that was, was really, was really fascinating to me. And then, like I said, having all those things come together and work and, you know, you guys are seeing deer now and, and we're, we're getting actual, you know, opportunities at deer. I, I think that that's just such a, a neat thing to see as a new hunt hunter, just to see what's, what's possible out there. Right. Like you yeah. can go out and hunt public land, but this is a whole nother realm of what you can do with a piece of property. That's, that's, uh, I don't know. I, I just thought that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. So, so we had our hunt, we saw some deer, we got a shot at one, you got a shot at one. Uh, we were counted that whole thing last time. So folks know, uh, you know, I made the mistake of thinking it was a hit, based off of what I saw through my binoculars. And then we, you know, went through this whole roller coaster of emotions where we were excited. We thought you got him. And then we started tracking, mm -hmm. couldn't find any blood, couldn't find anything, got a tracking dog, spent all night trying to figure something out. And, and long story short, uh, we believe it was a clean miss now. And, and that whole thing yeah. happened. That was a tough deal. Uh, mm -hmm. but the next day you kind of dusted yourself off, grabbed the gun again. We shot, um, gotcha, you know, just making sure everything felt good with the gun again, went out for one more hunt, ended up almost getting a shot at a doe, but she had a, another mm -hmm. deer right behind her. Um, and it didn't end up panning out, but <clears throat> we, we didn't, I didn't get to hear from you after that hunt on the podcast because we recorded that podcast the, the morning or no, the day, no. I don't know when it was. It would have been the the afternoon before that last hunt, I guess. So yeah. with the whole hunt behind you now and, and like that week after the hunt, when you looked back on the back 40 experience, um, I know you've already mentioned a couple things that, that you learned or that you enjoyed experiencing, but did you learn anything about yourself coming out of that experience, having the miss, dealing with that, everything that, that went on? Um what was your big takeaway from that experience? Yeah. Yeah. I mean the, just, so the experience overall was, was incredible, man. I, I mean, you guys did a great job. You and Justin did a great job of, of just kind of coaching me through everything and, and helping me out. And, uh, you know, I, I'm going to remember that, you know, for the rest of my life, obviously. Um, the, the big takeaways from that, from that was, you know, shit happens right <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so i can't i can't let myself or you know a, a mistake or a miss or or even a bad hit really really get to me um and obviously just being you know i i like to wear my emotions on my shoulder every now and then and and you know i i really can't let that get to me too much right like when, when something bad happens you know what good you know how are you gonna get better from it um, I think that was a huge takeaway of what I learned and, and, you know, those, those things happen and I'm sure, you know, like you guys said, happen to, to every single person that hunts out there, whether it's deer or something else. Um, you know, and, you know, it's just, it's just all part of 
all part of the hunt and all part of the pursuit. So, you know, you really can't let that beat you up too much and let that deter you from what you're trying to accomplish eventually is, you know, make a, make a clean shot and, and get, put some meat on the table. Pay attention here. Cause this is a hell of a good service. It's called the wellness company. Picture this. Okay. You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested. You got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever. And you weigh your options. Like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work, try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months. Wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of six sick folks. Or you open your medical emergency kit. You match your symptoms to the doctor-recommended prescription. And you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits, not a first aid kit, all right? It comes with doctor-prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So... On hand, strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor. No waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at urgentcarekit.com slash eater. And use promo code MEATEATER. That's promo code MEATEATER at urgentcarekit.com slash MEATEATER. Hey, everybody knows Weber Grills. I've been using Weber Grills my whole life, and check it out. They got a pellet grill, the Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. Now, with a pellet grill, you can smoke, roast, and sear what I like to do on the same grill. You can go from low and slow, okay, on smoke boost mode, which gives you great smoke at 180 degrees or crank this thing all the way to a heat sear at 600 degrees it's got a full great sear zone so you can put more food on the flame this this, this is my way of bull saying if i was going to cook roast one way that's how i like to do it sear roast utilize the smoke boost setting to intensify that smoky flavor direct flame cooking creates searing crisping and browning food's going to look as good as it tastes This grill gets hot in 15 minutes. Cleanup is easy. Cook confidently with intuitive digital controls at the grill and enjoy the sleek, easy-to-use surface. You can also add a heavy-duty rotisserie or rust-resistant griddle insert to up your game. Get fired up for your new Weber Searwood pellet grill. So what happened from there? Yeah, I, yeah. We sent you on your way, off into your own again, and uh, and I didn't know. I didn't know if you were going to be done hunting for the year or if you were going to still keep after it or what. Um, but but what did you do? No, man. I mean, I think after that hunt, <clears throat> after that last hunt, and how close we were to 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 getting one of those does, um, that kind of like lit a fire inside of me on you know, into, okay, I got, I gotta, I gotta keep going. I gotta, I gotta get this done this season. I, I, you know, I feel like, I feel like this is, this is going to happen. Um, so, so I think in one of our hunts, you know, we were talking, you know, just, just different strategy. And I was asking you questions. You were giving me some, some good feedback and you had mentioned, you know, um, cause I, I was hunting a lot of public land and you had mentioned, you know, you should, you should think about tapping your network and just seeing if you 
possibly can get access to whatever uh, private land properties. If you know a family friend, if you know, um, you know, somebody that might have some, some, some property you can hunt. And, um, I, I took that as kind of like my, my takeaway and just started asking, you know, asking around, well, I didn't really ask too many people. I asked my immediate family (laughs) and, um, yeah. Uh, and you know, my dad had actually mentioned this, you know, earlier in the season to me, but I brushed it off. He has a friend that owns this small, like 10 acre property, um, just North of where I'm living now. Um, it's probably like a 50 minute drive from, from where I live. Um, he, he, you know, they had bought the property like, you know, a year ago, none of them hunt. And he said, Hey, like, if you want, if you want, I can give you their number and you can, you can reach out and see if you can, if you can hunt that property. And I, I had dismissed it. And honestly, I had kind of forgot about it just thinking, Oh, oh, it's, it's 10 acres, like whatever, like I'm not going to see anything on a 10 acre piece of property or, you know, I'd rather go out and hunt public land where it's like, I'm working with like hundreds, if not thousands of acres of of land. Um, and I just kind of said, whatever, maybe, maybe this property has something, something that I'm not really, you know, seeing here. So I reached out, um, this was actually the Sunday after our hunt. So I think um, we wrapped up our hunt on the back 40. I don't know. It was like Tuesday that, that week. And then the following weekend um, I had, you know, reached out and just said, Hey, I'm going to, you know, you know, my name's Dan. I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm Frank's son. I'm going to swing by and, and, you know, maybe I can, you know, hunt your property went there kind of explained to them like the whole hunting thing and why I'm out here and what I'm trying to do. Cause they really just didn't have much of an idea. And, um, the, the, the owner and my dad's friend, um, and her son, um, walked me around like the whole property and showed me the property line. And I said, Oh, great. This is, this is awesome. Like, thank you so much. And, um, I just figured I'd, I'd hunt that day. So I had all my gear in the truck got it out, you know, suited up. Um, and then just by the looks of what, you know, where they took me around and what kind of Onyx was showing, there was one real spot that I was just super interested in, in hunting on that, that 10 acre piece of property. Um, obviously my first idea was I want to get away, you know, as far away from the house as I can. Um, and then I ended up found, finding this little corner of the property where some terrain features kind of all met on this little, uh, uh, I don't know, low section. Uh, there was a few trails that intersected and there was this really big oak tree that I thought was, you know, a, a good food source for the deer, or at least where the deer felt, I felt like the deer were coming back and forth from. Um, and then, you know, I, I went out there, I, I got in my, in my saddle. And as I'm up in the tree, I'm just kind of scoping out the, the surrounding surrounding areas. Um, and, uh, I think within an hour of my sit, I see, you know, three deer pass to my right. And, um, I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's a, that's a great start. You know, not thinking I was going to see anything right off the bat. I'm seeing, I'm seeing three deer kind of trot, trot, trot right next to me. Um, from there, you know, saw some Turkey. It was, it was really fun hunt. (laughs) And then, um, 
I just, think probably. Were you thinking uh, to yourself, dang, why didn't I do this two months ago? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. I was definitely thinking that. Um, just because it was a cool area, it was, it was easy to get to. And, you know, I saw three deer right off the bat. That was, that was more than I'd seen all season just hunting the public land. Um, so, I don't know, it got to about five o'clock and I see this doe by herself just kind of uh, uh, coming my way. And she's coming my way, she's coming my way, and she's she's by herself, and she's looking behind her, and I'm like, oh my god, like this is this is gonna happen. Um, and she's kind of quartering right towards my shooting lane, and I'm getting ready, getting ready. She's probably like you know five yards from where I need her to be, and then as she takes a couple more steps, right behind her is a is a buck, and I'm like, oh my god you know, that, you know, there's a buck right there. He's doing his thing with the doe. This is like, obviously some good rut activity happening right in front of me. Um, and right away I'm just kind of like, okay, what, what do I do in this situation? Um, I'm thinking in my mind, like, I just want to shoot a deer. I, you know, I, I know this, 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 this buck is right there, but like, I would be happy to take this doe. So, um, at, they, they keep working my way and finally the doe gets in my shooting lane and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, pull back and take a shot. So, um, that day I was getting some snow coming down and, <clears throat> um, my bow was all wet. So as I started to draw back my, there was, there's this little rubber piece on my rest and it made this loud squeak. And oh, no. <laughs> it was like, so as I did that, made that squeak, dude, it was like I lit up a, a firecracker and, <laughs> and let it off right in front of the deer. She spooked so hard and I was just like, no freaking way. Like no way did that just happen. Uh. So she spooked and I thought she was going to dart, but she didn't. She spooked around my, the oak tree that I was kind of sitting right in front of. And, um, she ended up going to the trails that kind of intersected right behind the oak tree and the buck just followed her. The buck just followed her. So at this point I'm like, okay, I don't think I completely blew it. I think I might still have a chance. Um, this is a little further of a shot than I'd like to take, but I'm just going to kind of wait it out now. So, um, you know, she kind of did her thing behind this oak tree and they kind of started working my way. However, the way, the, you know, the direction that they were coming was just directly downwind of where I, where, you know, where my scent was. So I just knew like at any point, like I'm going to get winded. So anyways, they kept doing their thing and eventually the doe went into this kind of brushy area, but the buck was right in my white, right in my range. Um, and he was right behind this tree. And I, I thought, okay, well, I don't really have a shot at this doe, but I have a shot at this buck. So I'm going to try to get ready here. Um, so I just kind of got myself prepared and got myself, you know, mentally worked up to try to make a shot. And um, he, he was kind of lingering there for a couple minutes. Um, but, uh, but I just wanted to be patient. And then he took another step. He's in my shooting lane now, 
Now I'm ready to take a shot. All of a sudden, right under me comes this like uh, this this spike, and he's freaking out. You know, he knows he knows there's a doe over there, and um, but he's right under my tree, and I'm like, oh my god, what do I do? Like, <laughs> man, so it was just like pandemonium in this this one hunt that I just you know it was my first hunt there. I had no idea it was gonna go down like this. So I said, whatever, I'm just going to ignore the spike. I'm going to draw back. And as I draw back, the spike under me spooks. The doe spooks, but the buck stays. So the buck stays, and I'm like, okay, he's looking right at me. He's stomping his feet, but I'm just going to try to stay as calm as I can. He's 25 yards. This is this is in my range. I put, I put my sight on him, and I, I let it rip. I let it rip and I shot him. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of heard this like thump that went into, went into his body and right there. And then I just knew I, I hit him. Um, and I, I was just kind of completely out of my mind at that very moment after I shot him, I, I tried to see where he went. Um, I think he, he darted out into the neighbor's property and I saw him like fall um, but then he just kept going and I was just, you know, my, my first reaction was, you know, I got to get down out of this tree. Um, you know, <laughs> and I started trying to tear down my set. I'm like, hold on, wait, wait, wait. I don't want to fall out of this tree. <laughs> I got to take a couple minutes and just relax. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I gathered myself and got down. Um, I went to the site of impact and I didn't see any blood and I immediately just got super worried. So I kind of walked, I didn't, I didn't want to completely ruin my track job, but I walked probably like, I don't know, 20 yards from where I, sh I thought I shot him just following his tracks. Um, we had snow on the ground, so it was easy to follow. And I found my, my arrow and my arrow had been, it looked like it had been broken off. So, um, there was a little blood on my arrow and it looked like it got broken off and there was probably like five inches or so gone from my arrow. So I had immediately just kind of like thought like what, what happened? Like, did it pass through? Did it not? Um, you know, my fletchings weren't bloody. So I was like, I don't think it passed through. Maybe it got broken off. Um, maybe I, maybe I hit his arm or something. Um, I'm not sure. So I just got, I, I got really kind of down on myself in that moment. Like, God, I didn't make a clean shot. I didn't, I didn't do the right thing here. Um, but like in the moment I thought like I did everything that, you know, I had practiced over the summer. I thought I made, I thought I made a really good shot. So I just kind of kept telling myself that and I pulled out and my, my first thing to do was just get permission on the neighbor's property to go track the deer. Um, so that was my, my first, my first step got permission that was golden. Um, and then I called my brother. I was like, Hey man, like I might need some help. Like, can you come out? Luckily he was only like 20 minutes away. Um, so he came out and then my third thing was like, okay, I don't know if I made this clean shot. <clears throat> excuse me, I should probably try to get, get a hold of a tracker and just see if they could maybe come out and help out with the track job. Just trying to be safe and, you know, 
rather than myself and my brother who don't really know much about tracking animals, maybe they could give, give me some help. <clears throat> so I took some pictures of the arrow and kind of what, what had happened. And I, I got a hold of a tracker and, um, kind of explained the situation, sent him the picture. Um, it was like a Sunday night and I felt really bad bothering this guy, but, uh, you know, he said, you know, just from what I had told him, he said, well, I'm thinking this is probably a shoulder shot. And if you only got four or five inches of penetration, you know, I don't think you really hit a, a longer, a major artery. So I'm not really sure if you have a dead deer on your hands here. Um, so I, I'm not really sure if it, it would really be worth it for me to, you know, come out and do the, do the, do a track job for you. You know, it was snowing and it was kind of like, it was dark at that point and I had felt bad. So I kind of was just like, you know what, no problem, man. He's like, well, you should definitely give it a shot yourself. And, um, you know, if you think that it's really worth it for me to come out, then, you know, give me a call and I'll, I'll see what I can do for you. So at that point it had been like two hours from the shot and, we, you know, my brother and I kind of set, set off and just try to track it ourselves. And <clears throat> being that there was snow on the ground, we could, we could, you know, you know, clearly identify some blood. So we, um, we picked up on a blood trail pretty quickly and the blood trail I thought was pretty good. Um, you know, we, we were seeing drops of blood here and there, but then we would, you know, every, you know, 15, 20 yards or so, we would kind of find this, like, almost like a little pool of blood where, you know, we thought that uh, we, I had maybe gotten a lung or something. I, I wasn't sure. So I, I you know, I, I kept taking pictures of everything and just tried to keep track of what we were seeing. And um, we kept following this blood trail, man, for probably like 300 yards three or yeah, three or 400 yards. And finally I found where the, where the buck had bedded down and he had bedded down right next to the swamp. And in his bed, I could see like more blood just kind of like pooling up right there. And I just, I just didn't know what to do at that point. Like, did I bump the buck out of his bed? Is this thing gone now? And, you know, just completely in the next County or something. I don't know. <clears throat> and then I saw tracks across the swamp. So I called the tracker again and I, you know, sent him the pictures and sent him everything that I had. And I just, I just said, Hey man, like this is the situation. I've tracked this thing now for like three, 400 yards. I think we bumped him out of his bed. We saw these tracks across the swamp. Um, you know, do you feel like it's worth it to come out? What are you thinking at this point? And his feedback to me was like, just by the looks of the blood and what you're seeing, the fact that you've tracked him now for 400 yards, I really don't think you made a, a lethal shot on him. And, you know, I probably would have pulled out on the track job, you know, you know, a while ago. So, um, just me not having that experience, I was just kind of like, oh man, like this is terrible, man. Like this is just such a bummer. So, um, my brother and I just kind of called it and we just said like, you know, hopefully the, the, the buck survived and he's out chasing does somewhere and we can kind of, uh, let him do his thing and, and not disturb the areas, you know, any, any more than we did. So that was, that was a really, really big low point for me at, you know, just, just having that shot 
wounding the animal and just the fact that I, I didn't, didn't kill him was just like, you know, at that moment, just, just awful. You know, it was really bad. Yeah, man. I, uh, you went through a rough spell there between that and the back 40 hunt and, and you had some, some high highs and some low lows, but I got to give you credit. Yeah. You you then reached out to me after that and explained what happened. And, and I, I think that tracker was a little too negative on you in that, um, you know, with that kind of blood trail, yes, it, it definitely sounded like a potential shoulder blade hit, and and yes, uh, there certainly was a good chance he was going to make it. But at the same time, you f- you had blood for a long time, you had tracks. Um, him telling you that he would have pulled out before the end of the blood trail is insanity to me. So I, you know, what I told you is, hey man, you might want to keep looking. Um, yeah, there's there's certainly a good chance that the deer's out there fine but yeah you gotta check that swamp you gotta check the larger yeah. area because there, there's there's also been many times that i know where people have, had thought a deer you know kept going and kept going and kept going like oh we're never gonna find this thing and then you do so to your credit you went back out there i don't know if it was the next day or two days or whatever it was and and you went out there and you grid searched and you kept following it after we talked about some things and you gave it mm-hmm. a serious serious effort um mm-hmm. in the middle of the night i know you were out there late after work or whatever it was so you kept after mm-hmm. it and and i really commend you for that and and you didn't find the deer and that deer probably Mm -hmm. is just fine but these deer always deserve you know our very very best shot to recover that animal if we're gonna you know if we're gonna take that shot if we're going to do that we we deserve or those animals deserve our respect to take it through to the end and give it everything and and you did that um yeah for the sake of time i've got so many questions but for the sake of time (laughs) since i know you've got a hard stop in 15 minutes we got to yeah. now move on to the final piece of this of the season. I know that happened. We talked about things. You yeah. mentioned like I need to take a little time off. I got to kind of process yeah. all this. So you took a, a week or two or whatever it was off, and then you finally got back out there. Um, give me the epic finale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so that all ha- happened. Like you said, I, I took some time off just to kind of regather and just you know I I was super bummed out about it and. You know, I, I I took my time to to you know uh, do my thing, and I was just like, you know what, maybe maybe I'll give it another shot. Um, I decided to get uh, so we my brothers and I all share this shotgun that we've had for for ages, and uh, we have a slug barrel that uh, you know nobody's ever used, and I got it out last year, and I you know I I shot it you know once last year. And then I just figured, okay, let me, let me get it out again this year. Let me just put the bow down and then maybe do a late antlerless hunt, um, and see if I can, if I can get into something, um, took it out, shot it a few times. I I thought I was good with it. By the way, there's no scope on this thing. It's, it's got an iron sight on it. (laughs) I just figured I'm just going to roll with it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to take too far of a shot. Something comes in with like 40 yards. That's going to be my max. Um, so yeah, man, it was, uh, gosh, it was, what was it? It was the day after Christmas and I was just like, all right, I'm just going to try to get this hunt in real quick. Saturday night, Beyonce wants to hang out, but I'm just gonna, you know, (laughs) I'm just going to do this real quick. Just, you know, it's all good. Um, so yeah, so, um, I had had a couple, you know, 
at one more hunt before that where I was in that same tree where I shot that buck. I just got blown up by a few does and I just knew I, I gotta, you know, they're on to me at this point. I got to figure out a different setup. So, um, I ended up setting up like, uh, in a different tree, 15 yards where I was, you know, I was, I originally was, um, this tree had a little more cover for me. It had a few trees behind me. So it kind of like broke up my silhouette a little bit. And I just felt, felt like, okay, if, uh, I'm going to have a way better chance in this tree, just being a little more stealthy. Um, so got in the tree probably like two o'clock. Um, I think I was, I was ready to go by like two fifteen, and man, like not 15 minutes later, I saw four doe, uh, cruising the neighbor's property to my left. And I was just like, Oh my God, this is, this is happening way too early. I'm not ready for this hunt to be over. <laughs> like what is going on? Um, so these four doe are cruising this, you know, the neighbor's property. And there's this little bedding area that butts up right against the property I hunt and, but it's in the neighbor's property and they go straight to that bedding area. And, um, all four doe just, they just sit down and they, they're, they're, they end up bedding in this little, this little thick, nasty stuff. And all of this is in my range. Like I can see everything with my binos and I see them just kind of all sitting down and just, just hanging out. And I'm like, okay, like, holy cow. Like, you know, if they, if they, you know, end up getting up and work my way, I'm going to have a legit shot at one of these deer. So it's like two fifteen, and man, it, they were bedded down for what I thought was like eternity. Um, <laughs> I think, it finally got to like four thirty, and they started to move around and, um, two doe started working my way. Um, they were still in the neighbor's property, so I didn't want to take a shot just yet. I wanted them to wait, wait over to, you know, the property that I was on. They start working my way, start working my way very slowly. And then finally, like they're in this shooting lane that I knew I could take a shot through. Um, but there was two doe. There was a big doe and there was a little doe. And I obviously, you know, just of the two, I wanted to take a shot at the big doe. Um, so I got set up, I got my, my gun ready and I have my, my sight on, you know, in the general direction of where the deer are. However, the big doe is blocked off by a, a patch of these little trees that I didn't want to take a shot through. Um, but the, the little doe was kind of like in my sight. Um, so I'm just kind of getting ready, get ready. She's kind of just doing her thing, not moving all of a sudden behind me, I hear a blow and I'm like, what, like, where did that come from? <laughs> like th there must've been deer behind me or deer over to my right that I didn't see that may have like picked me off with, uh, you know, the way that the wind was blowing. And I hear a blow and immediately I get nervous. I'm like, okay, like uh, I'm busted. Like I could just completely blow this thing right here. Um, but the deer didn't spook. And I'm just like waiting for this, the, the big doe to step out. And then I hear another blow and that one got the deer's attention. And I'm like, okay, now I have to make a decision. Do I wait for this big doe to step out or do I just take a shot at the little doe just for the sake of getting a deer and just, you know, getting some meat on the table. 
And then I heard another blow and I was like, all right, you know what? I'm not going to take <laughs> another risk here. Yeah. I'm just going to take this shot at the little doe. And I did. I let it rip. You know, it, it, I felt good right off the bat. Um, took the shot. The deer ran off. Um, she ran off into the, the neighbor's property. And, um, you know, I... I just knew right from the start. I was like, I think that was a really good shot. Just by the way the deer reacted, it looked like uh, I had gotten a, a decent hit. And um, I was just kind of like, just overcome with just like, oh my God, a sense of relief. And just like, thank you. Like, I think, I think this is, this is happening. So um, I gave it some time. I think I gave it like, you know, half hour or whatever. I just took my time tearing down my, my saddle. And, um, I went down and, um, at this point I had, had already gotten the neighbor's permission to, you know, um, you know, track a deer if I, if I had, you know, if they had gone over to the property and man, it was snowing that day and the blood trail was great. And, <laughs> you know, it was just not 20 yards later, man, I saw, I saw it laying down and I just, um, I, I just got so happy, man. I think I went over to it and quite honestly, I did feel a little remorseful just seeing it there and just seeing it kind of, you know, I, I just taken a shot at an animal and it, and it expired right there in front of me. It's just like, you know, I feel like it's, it's kind of a natural thing for, for you to feel a little remorseful there. Mm -hmm. And I did get, you know, I did get a little sad, whatever, but, uh, it was just quickly overcome with, with happiness and, uh, excitement. And I was just, I was just pumped, man. I was just pumped. It was a good day. <laughs> it was, a, it was a great time. Wow. Well, I mean, so many, so many questions and did it. So, so from there you, you, you enjoyed the moment you gutted the deer, you brought it home yeah, you eventually butchered the deer, I think, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So looking back yeah. on all that, what is the, A, was it what you expected or did you get out of this what you were hoping you were going to get? And B, how, how do you sum up your feelings about everything now? Oh, man. Um, was it what I expected? In the moment, it was not what I expected. I... I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like it all happened so fast. Um, but really looking back at it, I, 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 you know, I think it was like over like five or 10 minutes that I was kind of in the standoff of those two deer. Um, it, it just, I think it just happened so quickly. And, um, you know, I really wasn't expecting to feel remorseful. Like I said, I, I just thought I was, it was going to be all kind of like, happy and like, Oh my God, like I did it. Like, but no, it was just kind of like, Whoa, like I just took, I just took a, you know, I just took an animal's life here and, and, you know, naturally I just kind of felt, felt weird. Mm -hmm. Um, but no, I, I mean, I, eventually the, the happiness did come. Um, I mean, just the whole season in general, man, was such a grind. I think I told you, uh, earlier in the season where, you know, after I shot that buck, it was like, you know, right now it seems like the worst season ever, but I'm probably going to look back at this and, and think like, this is probably going to be one of the best seasons I've ever had. So, um, so from that aspect, yeah, man, it was, it was just kind of like so many different things happened and, 
none of which I had any idea were going to happen. And I just kind of had to roll with the punches throughout those months. And I did, and it ended up all coming together. And I was just so, so happy. So has this several year journey of ups and downs and work and challenges and learning and frustration and excitement, has, has it all been worth it? Oh man, absolutely, man. I think, uh, you know, just like the taste of sweet success was just so great. And then just the excitement that I've gotten from, you know, my family and, you know, just, you know, obviously you guys and, you know, Jason and, and everybody else have been so pumped for me. I think that was that that's been really cool. Um, and then, you know, it, we got, we got the whole family involved in butchering the deer. And that was a lot of fun. Like my brothers and their kids and my dad came out and he showed us a, a, a thing or two cause he used to do his own butchering, um, you know, uh, back when he was younger. So he showed us a bunch of stuff and, um, the, the, the meat is incredible. Um, you know, I've, I've had a few meals now from, from the deer and it's, it's just been awesome. And then, um, just being able to share it with, with my brothers and my family and I've, I've given them meat and they've been so happy with it and just saying like, thank you. Like, this is great. Like you got to go get another deer right now. And I'm like, no, it's not the season. I got to wait till next season. So, (laughs) so it's been, it's been awesome, man. It's been great. That's, that's so cool. I, I, I couldn't be more excited for you. Uh, so it sounds like I already know the answer to this question, but I have to ask it. Uh, yeah. Is there going to be a year three? Oh yeah. Definitely, man. <laughs> Good. Definitely going to be year, year three, for sure. I'm very, I'm very happy to hear that. Okay, I know you've got to leave here. Probably some important stuff to do with work or life or something more important than this. But, <laughs> but two really quick questions. Yeah. Number one, for other new hunters out there listening who haven't killed their first deer yet, who are where you were a year or two ago, what would be your piece of advice for someone who, who was in the shoes or who is in the shoes that you were in not that long ago? Yeah. A piece of advice would be, um, you know, don't be afraid to get out of your comfort zone. Um, you know, I feel like, you know, and and I, I take this with anything I do. If I'm not, if I'm, if I'm feeling too comfortable with something, I'm not, I'm not really learning anything. So don't be afraid to get uncomfortable and reach out to like your local QDMA, or I guess now it's the end. NDA, right? Yeah. Um, uh, your local NDA chapter and just try to tap some resources that you wouldn't normally tap, um, and see if you can, if you can find a mentor that would be willing to, to guide you through the, the, the hunting process, even if it, if it is something that you wouldn't normally do. I think that, that knowledge and the things you learn just hunting with some, someone is, is invaluable, right? Like it's just, you can learn so much, um, in, in such a small amount of time. Um, and I really feel like that, um, that can really help you out in, in your journey to, to have some success. I think that's kind of like the biggest thing for me, right? It's like, if you're, if you want something you've never had, you, you got to do something you've never done before. So, so don't be afraid to get out of your comfort zone and, and, and take a, take a leap of faith and, and, you know, do something like that. Yeah. So that would be kind of my, my big lesson or, you know, my big, uh, my big thing for a new hunter that's just trying to get into it. It's great advice. And, and yeah, can you imagine how different your life would have been if you hadn't, uh, 
you know, emailed QDMA after listening to that podcast, um, <laughs> a whole bunch of things came out from that because uh, you reached out to Josh, right? After listening to the Meat Eater podcast yeah. and yeah. Uh, sent you down a crazy road, huh? Yeah, man. It's been a, it's been a journey and, you know, I, I got to thank you. I got to thank Josh. I got to thank, you know, Jason, you know, you guys are just such, you know, good examples for, I guess, this up and coming generation of hunters and you guys are doing the right things. You guys are saying the right stuff and, you know, you guys help more than you really know. So I got to really thank you guys for everything that you guys are doing um, like I said, setting that good example is just so important for the guys and girls that are coming up and uh, really protecting the future of our, our, you know, of hunting and our, our, our habitats and our deer population, all these other things, man. It's just uh, big thanks to you guys, right? You guys, uh, I feel like deserve the credit and don't get it enough. So big thanks. Well, thank you for saying that, Dan. And uh, I know we got to let you go. So just uh, congratulations again, my friend. It's been an honor to get to be a part of it and to see it and watch it and, and see your, your progress. I'm very excited for you. And uh, great, great work pushing through all the ups and downs and coming out the other side. You are, uh, you've been a hunter all this time, but, but now you are a hunter with, uh, with meat in the freezer and that's an important <laughs> step. So, uh, well done and congrats. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. And, you know, thank you for having me on again. It was awesome, man. Thank you so much. All right. And there you go. Congrats again to Dan. What, uh, what a story. I wish we had a little more time. Uh, he had, he had to run off and do some things, but Gosh, there's so much that I would love to dive in further to about how he experienced and and dealt with all these moments after the hunt, you know, where his head is at now. It's just, it's a lot. And maybe, maybe I'm just really excited (laughs) because I've seen what Dan has, has worked through and, and the struggles he overcame and the experience he had. And gosh, it's just, it's really cool to see a story like this kind of get wrapped up with a happy ending. So I'll say this to all of you listening. Um, if you're a new hunter, take Dan's advice, reach out to someone, reach out to an organization, reach out to a friend or family member that you know hunts and, and put yourself out there a little bit. It can really pay off. And then number two, to those of you who are already hunters, and you want to try to help some people like this out. If you'd like to take that next step in your hunting journey and become a hunting mentor, number one, the most simple thing you can do, but something that a lot of us don't think about, myself included, is simply offer an invitation. If you know someone who maybe is into some other kind of adjacent outdoor endeavors, just in conversation, say, hey, you like to fish? Or hey, you like to camp? Or hey, you like to, I don't know, you like to shoot guns? Would you ever be interested in hunting? Because I'd love to take you out and show you around sometime. Just do it. Just put it on your list this year. You're going to ask someone. You're going to invite someone. It's it's a really simple thing to do. And yes, it takes a little bit of sacrifice once you go out there and spend a day or two with somebody. But it's, man, it's not just a good thing to do. It's also a lot of fun. And I can attest to that over the last couple of years. It is so fulfilling to share this thing that we love with other people. Number two, another great way you can do this is reach out to an organization like the National Deer Association, which runs these field to fork 
mentorship programs, reach out to them and say, hey, I'm interested in being a mentor. They need more mentors. I'm talking to these guys frequently. They've, they want to scale this program to other parts all around the country where you can help educate new hunters and spend a little time with them out there in the woods. They need people. They need you. So go to the National Deer Association website. You're going to find contact information there to get a hold of folks. Uh, Hank Forrester is the guy who, who's running these programs. So get a hold of Hank Forrester. He's going to help point you in the right direction. Or touch base with your regional contacts. Uh, someone like Josh Hilliard, who was on the podcast last week. He's one of the regional directors for the National Deer Association. If he manages your area, reach out to him, and he can help connect you with people that are running these programs. It's it's a great way to get involved. It's a great way to make a difference. And it's a great way to make sure that this thing we love continues far into the future so that our kids and their kids and future generations can enjoy wild places and wild animals and the privilege to hunt them and to fill our freezers with the best damn meat that money can't buy. So that's all for me. Thanks all for listening. Thanks for your time and your support. It is going to be a good year. This is going to be a great year, guys, and I'm excited to share it with you and to be a part of this community. So until next time, thank you and stay wired to hunt. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.